0: Let me tell you about a life-changing elixir of the gods. I'm talking about Strava Craft Coffee. I'm telling you it will change your life. If you're like me and you drink a lot of coffee, you have noticed those negative side effects. I don't even get jittery that much, but it happens. It can mess with your stomach. It can make you feel run down later on. You can have the crash. As much as we love our coffee... We know all of these things are going to come with it, but you know what? Not with Strava. It has changed my life. It has made me a far more productive and awake and less shaky person as I deal with whatever I've got to deal with throughout the day. Some of these people on Twitter, grab that Strava. It's rich in CBD. It's great coffee that you can purchase in either K-Cups for your Keurig. You can get whole bean, you can ground it yourself, or you can get it ground- Whatever way you take your coffee, they will ship it to you. It's delicious. There's all kinds of different uh, flavors that you can get, and it's good for you. It's actually good for you. I can personally vouch for the health benefits of CBD-infused products, particularly Strava Craft Coffee, that can really help to set uh, My Equilibrium, it's good for you. You can try it if you want down at Carbon Cafe and Bar, Drip, Denver, Slow High Coffee, uh, the Blue Sparrow Coffee, and Max Market. It's non-psychoactive. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry about any of the things that you may have heard uh, about what this crazy CBD stuff is. Is it marijuana? No, it's not any of those things. It's not psychoactive. You're not going to feel weird or different. It doesn't affect you that way. It's just something that isn't going to give you all of the terrible things that you can oftentimes get from regular coffee, and it's going to help with things like long-term migraines. It's helped me a great deal. Decreasing anxiety. Again, I can personally vouch for this. Arthritis. I get I get achy. I, I've, I've been a tall guy for a very long time. I had a bad back issues i'm i'm telling you i'm not making this up because they're a sponsor though it's awesome and we love them strava craft coffee is phenomenal for all of these things so remember to purchase online for 20 percent off using code dnvr20 and go in the air deep right center go. field And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look. You won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 18 Colorado locations, though, right now you should probably go online to mygreensolution.com. Use the promo code DNVR, you'll get 20% off your entire purchase. I'm your host, Drew Creasman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode, we will continue our conversation on the fantastic PBS documentary by Ken Burns, simply and beautifully titled Baseball. We will jump right back into the conversation that we were having with our guy, Patrick Lyons, and of course, my mother, Barbara Creisman. Uh, We'll get into it. All kinds of further thoughts on the first inning. And if you're listening to this on the morning that it has been published, then we are doing this in anticipation of watching the second inning. So hopefully you can get all caught up. I'm also going to have a little bit of a write up on the site that you can go and read as a quick sort of synopsis for what you may have missed. And we're going to be good to go there. So uh, I don't want to waste too much time before we get back into it, but I do want to give you a little bit of an update on what you can do to help out our friends over with the Colorado Raptors. We are still covering that team and we can intend uh, to continue to do so as we, we are with all of these other beats. But, of course, you know, the Raptors, more than anybody else, could uh, really use your attention and appreciation right now. And if you've got the time, which it seems like you probably do, if you're anything like me right now, uh, you've got time to learn about rugby. And you can do that by checking out first our DNVR Rugby podcast Hosted by Colton Strickler. He's doing a lot of 101 stuff right now. He's taking you through the ins and outs of what's going on in the entire world of rugby, but also at the very basic level. So you can learn about the game from the very beginning. It's the perfect time to learn. So download the podcast, go listen to it uh, right as soon as you're done with this one. He's going to have one-on-one interviews with players. He's going to have all kinds of fantastic content for you. And make sure to check out all of the merchandise that you can find on the official Raptors website. Uh, It's a great way to help out anybody. Uh, The gift cards we've talked about a lot before during this time, but uh, the Raptors really, really could use your support uh, as well as our, our guy Colton over at DNVR Raptors. So check them out as soon as you're done with this, and make sure to follow DNVR Raptors on Twitter. Let's jump right back into the conversation where we had been uh, musing about the conversation of hashtag beers, baseball, and booze. Um, <laughs> speaking speaking of booze and baseball, uh, John McGrath. No, we, we can get into... Uh, these, uh you mentioned earlier, there there are some hard characters. These guys were gamblers and, and fighters, and we didn't, I mean, we. I feel like we've barely scratched the surface on the Ty Cobb stuff. I assume, if my recollection is correct, we'll get more and more into that in the next couple of innings here. Uh well, and God, I mentioned John McGraw, and they, they tell the story about, you know, basically his whole family dying from diphtheria. We just can't escape suddenly <laughs> these these crazy stories. Um, but uh, I, I threw out on Twitter, you know, who of baseball's great legends that, that come with all of these myths, because there was, there was that particular segment um, where... The narrator just sort of described each one of these guys without <clears throat> saying their names. He, he said their stories because we know about yeah. Babe Ruth calling a shot and, and being in the boys' home and being this larger than life guy yeah. who, who was an orphan. And we know the things that Jackie Robinson went through or that Mickey Mantle played 17 years without two knees or uh, people don't know Buck O'Neill as well. Um, so I'm glad we were able to give him some highlights. So who of these guys, especially of the ones were – well, let's, maybe not, not the ones we got into, of these early guys. Let's do the early ones because they ran through Jackie Robinson and Babe Ruth, and we're, but we're going to have plenty of time in the next couple of innings to do those.
1: But let's, they didn't mention Satchel Page, but they showed oh, him. I, that's right. And they top, said one of the best players that, to never get there.
0: You know? Yeah. And yeah. he
1: did get there he got there late
0: like, yeah there, i'm sure there will be more satchel page talk too there better be. there has to be oh yeah um, of course yeah
2: it goes it hits all those decades and and really right now we're we're just we're, we're covering multiple decades as we hit the year 1900 here um in the documentary and and that's a good point that you make is that those players names were not even mentioned you know uh Coming from Commerce, you, Oklahoma. Man. Yeah, there you go, yeah, and you, and man. you see it. You, you, you even I see did. the front of his face in the picture. I think it was they right. showed the back of his yeah. of his head, where, where <laughs> yeah. one of those helmets without flaps on it. And it's like you know who that is. And again, the last one with Leroy Satchel Page, and you go, all right, you got me in. I might not get those guys right now, but I'm willing to mm-hmm. hear about you know the genesis of it all, and 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 how it comes about, and and who are these early magnates? I love that word. Uh, you know, describing uh, all the the executives in the original National League and and Spalding and all these these rich gentlemen that helped you know get get the game off the ground. Magnate is, is how they uh, they like to describe them. And yeah, there there were a couple in there. You know, Alexander Cartwright being the guy that, that's really considered the father of baseball. Uh, he, he may not have uh, been the biological father that, that Abner Doubleday might technically be, uh, but he raised baseball, you know, he's, you know, when baseball, you know, it looks at a man, if they look at Alexander Joy Carter and it says, you know, thanks for looking after me, Papa. Uh, and I, and I think what's, what's, what's kind of the coolest thing about his story is after, you know, really making sure to to articulate all the different rules and and, and to train his his team, the New York Knickerbockers, um, was that at the end of his life, he he dies in in Honolulu, Honolulu, Hawaii. And that baseball, from that first ever game in Hoboken, New Jersey, that first uh, ever recorded game in baseball history, actually resided in Hawaii, the last state. It's amazing. (laughs) I find it to be very interesting. So I
0: love it. And that was 1846, right? The very first game That's ever. That's
1: what I'm remembering. That's, I'm remembering that is the first date they gave us. I was like, what was the, the reference to? And they said that uh, they took the only baseball they had in Texas or the only baseball they had in what?
2: Yeah. <laughs> in Alexandria, Texas, during the Civil War, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, and I think that one of the other neat things when they mentioned the kid for commerce and other things like that and didn't give names, they were also talking about, uh, people that wanted to play and being from all these different walks of life, you know. And like you said, it wasn't necessarily easy and it wasn't necessarily that profitable, but there's, it appealed to people from, all over, regardless kind of of your background, because there were rich kids that wanted to play and there were really poor kids that wanted to play.
2: Yeah. It was a game for kids. It, you know, kids don't necessarily look and, and, and think about or understand even how much money their family might have or understand, you know, what socioeconomic class they might be in. They just see a game. They see other kids. You, hey, you look like me or you're the same height as me. You have the same uh, youthful exuberance in you, regardless of the color of your skin. I want to go, go play with you. Let's go do this thing together. And yeah, Baseball's a, a true kids' game in that way, which which makes it all the more heartbreaking when, again, you you're learning about how everything starts and how it, does everything come to pass. Why why was Jackie Robinson the guy that broke the color barrier? Why was there even a color barrier? And then you hear about Adrian Cap Anson, a gentleman, yeah. from the baseball Hall of Fame. He's he's crazy yeah. player with three thousand hits and on the field. There's no denying his importance to the game and, and the teams that he played for and the seasons he played. But as a human being, he goes down as one of the worst in the entire history of all of sports.
0: Yeah, that's you reminded me of the thing I mentioned earlier I wanted to say and then forgot. Um, and that was that I think Ken Burns does a really excellent job of showing but not necessarily telling. It'll become more obvious once we get into the Jackie Robinson stuff, but showing baseball as this game that was way ahead of the social curve. And it, it can sometimes be difficult to look back at these horrible things that were done by people like Cap Anson or or some, you know, Ty Cobb or just – as we mentioned, keeping people like Buck O'Neill and Satchel Paige, imagine keeping people of that quality out of the game of baseball. But uh, whether it's that, and and I sort of tweeted this out too, it's going to be interesting going back and talking about a lot of this stuff because fundamentally we are a baseball podcast, not a politics one, and we steer clear from it whenever possible. But it is pretty amazing the ways in which baseball – has been political over the years has been an instrument of social change and while it's absolutely infuriating that people like buck o'neill and satchel page weren't allowed to play major league baseball in their primes we still cool papa bell Bell. that's right um uh, and and i hope we'll, we'll Do a lot more on that in the future here we'll have the time for it but it is this you know baseball was still broke the color barrier 20 years before the united states of america did and baseball players were fighting for workers rights and even unionization years and years before a lot of other people were able to and and we heard some pretty horrific stories about some of the people that wouldn't go along with what amounted to and were directly compared to slave wages for some of these guys who were blackballed from the game forever. Um, early baseball players. You're right. And they were white. And, and so some of these guys, uh, I don't know that, that was the, that was one of the, I think the story of this early going I, I think Burns just does an excellent job of again, showing, not telling how baseball, you know, was, was able to become an instrument of change or or spark this idea in people, uh, particularly in the the most obvious one being that the competition of the game on the field. And I can't remember which writer, or was it Buck O'Neill? I think it was a writer who talked about, um, it it just evens it out. It just, you you can't pretend like you're better than me when I'm hitting 310 and you're hitting 250, pal. Who was it? It
1: was the Geronimo Apache's beat. I forget who they beat.
0: They... Oh, the the military. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The U.S. Yeah. They beat the U.S. military.
1: The Geronimo Apaches beat the U.S. military, and that's kind of even out things at least for the day, at least for the game.
2: That's right. I think what you what you touched on there, Drew, is, is a great point. Is if you think about the the history of baseball, you you almost think about the things that are most important right now in the present, and you kind of realize that they were always some of the most important things um, you know now we've got free agency and the, the importance of that and the impact on that on the sport and, and all of all of sports in general too free agency and how ever since the, the beginning of professional baseball players were fighting for their rights and um, you know making proper wages talking about going to games and the cost of tickets and, and how much that should cost that was obviously touched on. Um, again, you know, equal rights for for people of 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 all colors and and all genders, and you know, you you have to really understand, you know, to understand what what's going on right now, that it it, it all started someplace, that that it came somewhere, and that you know that that the, again, the Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier, he was not the first black player, he was the Brian. first black player after. The, this this color band that was instituted by like, Cap Anthony amongst other people. Um, so some people might find it interesting that you know I, I they had maybe had never heard of Moses Fleetwood Walker or his his brother right. Welday Walker being actual professional baseball players, but they were the only two. And then number three was was Jackie Robinson. Some you know uh,
0: fifty years later. Yeah, I mean, at, and and it's good. <laughs> That's a great story to tell. I almost wish it was expounded upon a little yeah. bit more because people do. I think if you were to poll Americans, eighty percent would say, ninety percent would say Jackie Robinson was the first black player in Major League Baseball. And it's not true. And and, and that, that that Fleetwood was the guy that not only forced their hand, he forced their hand and they chose wrong is yeah. is a lesson worth learning. He was so good. They had to stop any more from it's 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 a story worth telling and a story worth remembering. Yeah, How about would, the ironies of go ahead, go ahead.
2: Oh no, I was going to say I bet you 90% of baseball fans wouldn't even know that Jackie wasn't right? the first just the first, you know, to to break the barrier on that.
0: Right, to to really come back and do it. I as we're talking about this I appreciate the the ironies of baseball as a uh, super progressive social movement where now it's very much (laughs) seen as not. And how about this? Baseball as the most exciting form of entertainment available. I really loved this idea that cricket and rounders were super slow because, of course, we know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Baseball is such a blistering speed when we know like the number one complaint amongst people we hear today if they don't like baseball it's boring and slow I'm like was the fastest thing that there was in 1895
2: baby <laughs> games only lasted at that point i'm sure an hour 45. you know there right. were not strikeouts there weren't swinging and misses you're hitting that first pitch boom you go you're not even looking for your cap and your glove because odds are your cap and glove are already out in the field behind the position that you play. So you just, as soon as that third out was, you ran out to shortstop and your mitt and hat were already there. Boom, you're ready to go for the next inning.
0: It's amazing. I love, the, I love the pictures of the people uh, standing in the outfield in front of the fence. Those are always, like, I, it's a thing I have to remember every time that at one point people were just, and, like, no one keeping them there. Like, could someone just break free from the audience and, like, tackle the center fielder if they, they felt lucky that day? <laughs> there have to be stories of those kinds of things happening,
2: right? Oh no, no doubt. And and depending on you know which ground you're on, you know they would, um, you know if, again depending the, the details of it, the the crowd could kind of separate like Moses and, and the Red Sea and and let the left fielder go back to the wall and pick it up, <laughs> throw it in, or. Uh, they wouldn't move at all and make it really hard for that left fielder to have to catch <laughs> because that ball's still alive. So uh, good <laughs> luck catching this. Yeah, and, and you know we, um, we, things got sad there for a second too, right? We're we're talking about some of the harder issues in, in baseball as a part of society. As again, going back to Ken Burns, seeing those those three things, and I do have to correct myself because the Civil War documentary was Constitution. First. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Well yeah. The
0: Constitution. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And um, but but how baseball is so much a part of how our society has evolved. There you are know, those sad moments, and you know we're bringing it back. We're having some laughs. How cool was it seeing uh, the, the the birth of the curveball? Someone actually yeah. had to admit it. we do actually know who that was. It wasn't something that you know evolved, kind of like again the the game itself. No, it was it was one gentleman. It was Candy Cummings did that and the feeling that he got is the same feeling that kids all across the world get when they throw their first curveball you know but but he invented it no one taught him how to do that but the Harvard guy didn't think it was fair huh?
1: <laughs> how
0: about that quote Harvard does not teach deception how dare you throw a curveball sir because the game wasn't
2: about getting outs the game was about offense it was about hitting the ball and it was, you know, it doesn't go into it that much, um, but there, there's several really great books that go into, again, the origins of the game. Baseball in the Garden of Eden is a, a fantastic one. I think even it might have been John Thorne or Pete Palmer wrote that. And how, um, you know, there were so many balls and, and, uh, before it was a walk uh, because the goal was to, to hit the ball. And batters could actually point to where they want the ball pitched. They say, here's where I want it, and if you don't <laughs> throw it here or anywhere close on home plate, then that's a ball. So if if the pitch was right where the, the batter wanted it or within that general space, uh, and he could strike it and he did not, that was considered a strike. That is how, where that word comes from. We, we think strike oh, is from man. striking the ball. Hey, you could have struck the ball. It was a good spot, but you either missed or... Or you chose not to swing at it so uh there's so much more to even get into that ken burns didn't even touch on with this so uh, i know there's a lot of people that were kind of fascinated we we got that feedback on twitter from from people saying wow i I never knew this or i always wondered where that came from and uh there's even more that we dive into uh, at another time for sure
0: yeah, a, a, ba- a game of baseball built entirely with the power in the hands of the offense. Rob Manfred would have loved it, would have absolutely <laughs> loved it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, okay, so I had Cap Anson. We already talked about him. That was. And,
1: oh, I was going to say, and Bob Gibson would have very much enjoyed the rule where you throw the ball at the runner and you out. Nobody do be to beat the Cardinals that year. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that that was one of the things that I've always found interesting about this. Again, is like how long it took for baseball to really take the form that we think of. And I do think that the invention of the curveball might be kind of that final step. We know other things would happen, um, mounds and and putting all kinds of stuff would change, but. I think once we recognize that actually pitchers should be allowed to try to get the batter out, as you were just saying, that the deception should be a built in part of the game, and we've got the, the dimensions here now, I think we've got pretty close to what we would consider a, a recognizable form of the game of baseball. Is there, do you buy that, Patrick? Is there something I'm missing there?
2: No, that was that was definitely an integral part because, as as you know, we both just said, you know, the baseball. Its beauty is that the defense has the ball. No other sport has that. And up, up until the point that you know there was that deception for pitchers, you know, the defense having the ball was was just kind of uh, a catalyst to get the offense going. It was it was virtually unimportant. Put the ball here, throw it over the plate. Let me hit it. And then now is where the game starts. And uh, once Cummings did that, it, it changed things a, quite a bit. It's like, well, wait a minute now. The game doesn't begin when you hit the ball and put it in play. It actually begins with with me and, and the pitch I throw and the location that I put it and and how hard I might throw. It's that deception, That's that messing up that timing. And, uh, yeah, and, and that's, again, this is where that comes from.
0: I also think it – sort of cements, and they didn't really get into this much, but uh, they they talked about a little bit the way there were a couple of quotes about how important failure is to the game of baseball. And I think a a lot of the luck stuff was built in here early, The, the bounce of the ball, the game of inches, all those things that come early. But once the power was put in the hands of the pitcher, baseball became a game where everybody fails more than they succeed. And that's always been its sort of defining attribute to me, the, the thing that makes it most kind of like, especially the grind of American life early on in post-Civil War. And again, I think Ken Burns kind of shows without telling that as we come through this baseball and and, for, and, and it's probably a chicken or the egg thing. It, does baseball reflect the grind of American life because it was specifically being built to do so? Or was that just how these people were living and recognizing We've got to make this even more engaging, but also even tougher because life is tough and life for these factory workers and farmers and Apache natives taking on the U.S. military was tough.
2: For sure. And, and you know, to, just to kind of almost step to the side a little bit, there, there's a great um, A. Bartlett Giamatti quote. Uh, he was commissioner of baseball in the late 80s that he, he wrote as a young man. And that it's baseball breaks your heart it's designed to break your heart the game begins in the spring when everything else begins again and it blossoms in the summer filling the afternoons and evenings and then as soon as the chill rains come it stops and leaves you to face the fall all alone you count on it rely on it to buffer the passage of time to keep the memory of sunshine and high skies alive and then just when the days are all twilight when you need it most it stops and that is as true today as ever, it breaks your heart. Yeah. Um, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Did not mean to put the brakes on, on the conversation, but you, you, just, you, again, you, you hit on something and that, that takes us. Winter down. has yeah. come. It has. Right? It has unfortunately. And that's. Cy
1: Young. When... Mm.
2: Cy Young was, was mentioned in there. He's, he's another one of those guys worth, worth talking about, you know, um, he did it. He did it the best, uh, as you said. Again, on, on Twitter, everyone should be following us at hashtag DNVR watches. Even if you weren't uh, involved in our live tweeting, you can still go back and comment. We can have those discussions there about these players and these these early moments in uh, in the game's birth. But you know the the award Cy Young award uh, from how I remember it, it, they actually gave him the name not just because he had. Uh, the most wins all time, but because he threw the first perfect game in modern day history. Now, Montgomery Ward had thrown the first one in all of professional baseball, but Cy Young, aka Denton True Young, love that name. True, so good. i a middle name. True as a middle name? That's, that's
0: kind of I know. Fantastic.
2: I said Denton
0: True. Multiple Young. phenomenal names. Yeah, it just- <laughs> He does. And then his name becomes a thing all in of itself because he set the most unbreakable record. I had a few people out me. Every time I mention this, a few people want to – and I don't know the NHL. People like, Gretzky's point record. I don't know, probably. I've understood yeah. the NHL for That's three thing. months. But the thing about that, that, that there's a fundamental – no one will ever – not only will nobody ever break Cy Young's win record, no one's ever going to come close it, no. it it's i'm not even sure honestly like the game would have to fundamentally change from the way it is right now for it to be possible oh 100 did anybody You're win right. 20 games last year i don't think probably not right you would have to win 20 games for 20 consecutive seasons and you'd still be a little bit short
2: yeah. you'd be yeah you'd you'd be over 100 <laughs> Of um, hundred of his total career wins, yeah, he it's it's un, unheard of because even if you play hockey, you know you could be a phenom. And again, like you said, the fundamentals have changed uh, in the game in game of baseball. But in hockey, I think they're very much the same. So you could have a, a special character do something like that. It's obviously much much harder now, um, but the game has just changed. You know, Cy Young started forty plus games for a decade in his life. He won over 30 games four times. 511 wins. That that's <laughs> unheard of. You you're lucky if you have that many starts in your career,
0: 511. Yeah. It's 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 unreal. It it really does blow my mind. And and it, it's there's a lot of things about very early baseball that are difficult to conceive of because we're so familiar with the modern game, I think this might be the most difficult one to wrap your mind around. Also because I, I feel like sometimes people wanna dismiss it because it's so old. That like, well, yeah, but he did that back then. It's like like anyone else back then was close. Like, like, no, this guy wasn't, he was head and shoulders better than everyone. And yes, the, the talent level back then wasn't as good. And Right. There's, there's always those arguments that are fun and interesting. You know, could Babe Ruth have done what he did in a in a league that was integrated? Maybe we jump into that conversation in future innings. There's always fun, For sure. weird things, but, but no 511 wins in any era at all, regardless of the rules. Even at this point, look, if somebody else could have done it, they'd have done it.
2: For f- over the course of fifteen years, from when he was twenty-four years old to thirty-eight, he had he played at twenty-three year old, and, and he played five you know five years after he was thirty-eight. But for fifteen seasons, he averaged three hundred and eighty innings pitched. Forty-two. He's <laughs> he, he still averaged four other games that he came in and pitched. So he started forty-two times. Time. Right,
1: fewer games played in
2: the season. That's true too. So, a larger percentage. They of yeah, they weren't playing 162 games then. And he had an ERA plus of 144. So, again, he was no slouch by, by any way you might want to put that. <laughs> Another one of the things, too, that, that Cy Young uh, makes me think of is the great names, the great names of some of these teams,
1: right? So, Cy oh, Young, yeah. the names
2: are wonderful. Spiders. Yeah. That's uh-huh. something a lot of people probably don't know. Uh, for two years, he was with the St. Louis Perfectos and Boston, yep. of course. Before they became the Red Sox, they were the Bean Eaters and the Americans. And nicknames in general were just more fluid. We, we kind of opened talking about you know the Brooklyn Dodgers, the Atlantics, the Superbas. They were also the Brooklyn Bride uh-huh. groups. Um, names were a little bit more fluid. They're, it wasn't about branding or merchandising. It was just Brooklyn. Brooklyn against Cincinnati. It wasn't Reds versus Dodgers. It was just those two cities against each other. And so the names are a lot more fluid, Um, but they were, they were great. Nevertheless, they they were fantastic. And so we still have a couple more decades of those interesting names.
1: And that's why to some extent uh, the minor league names today are so much fun, you know? baby know?
2: Baby cakes. Some people, you know, kind of rally against that. And they're like, Oh, these names are ridiculous. Do you do you know the origin of the game, like the the, the names that were used? Um, it's that's 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 the history of the game, you know. Granted, at the time they weren't trying to be ironic with how quirky the names were, but uh, nevertheless, it's that's it's part, part of the game's history, you know.
0: Yeah, when, I mean, were they trying to be especially serious? Uh, <laughs> Like you said, I mean, like you said, it wasn't really as much about the branding. That was one of the things they got into was like early on, even the inventors of the game were like, it should be played by amateurs and it it should never be played for money or, or in front of people. They shouldn't have to pay for it. And there's because, well, yeah, because they believe that that money would corrupt. There was even that great line of the guy saying, if we make it so that ball players get paid and fans have to go into the game, it's the end of baseball how many times have we heard that a change was going to be the end of baseball those are always funny quotes in hindsight but um yeah the 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 idea that baseball would go from this total pastime it's based. that's basically the plot of the movie basketball <laughs> it's like should this be free and for fun or should this be a business because once you make something a business it it does fundamentally change it
2: yeah and and both the documentary Baseball and the pseudo uh Basketball feature Bob Costas, I believe. So, Well, you know, Bob's all over.
1: And he is a baseball guy. Yeah.
2: He looks so young. He looks so young. No I guy. know.
1: He looks so young.
0: <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how you, oh, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. You know. I mean, well, first of all, he looked pretty. He's look. He still looks great. But I, you like to believe. You know, sometimes we're like, man, that guy hasn't aged at all. And then you you watch this, and you're like, okay, he's aged some. <laughs> he's,
2: I I had uh, that exact same feeling for a couple of the guys. That was, I mean, it wasn't heartbreaking, but it was it was sad it, it, the passage of time because all of the gentlemen in in this film are you know they're not young men, but they're they're not old men, right? A lot of them aren't old men. They're they're middle aged, and you know they are forever this age in our memory because, because of the documentary and well, you know, over the over the uh, saber convention back in uh, in July, seeing John Thorne there as an old man, you know, 25 years later, you know he's he's still with it, he's still together, he still has all that information. But seeing him here now, almost looking like a baby, but still he was he was 50 years old when he did it. Uh, it's just like man, yeah, time, times a. Son of a bitch.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it it can be. It can be incredibly brutal.
1: I was just going to say, as old as Buck O'Neill was when this was done, he looked. He, he, you know, he's now deceased, but but he lived many years after and continued to support, promote, and work on baseball. Like you said, he could feel Mm fifteen. That's what baseball does to you.
0: That was a great line. Yeah, talking about baseball, still feel fifteen. Um, I've, I've my Yeah, hit it. Uh, I was going to say, I, I, we've, we've just been talking so much. Uh, I've got to give a shout out to our friends over at Green Mountain Dental, uh, the absolute best damn family owned dentistry in the metro area. Extreme Colorado sports fans. So they're also really sad right now. But if you schedule a cleaning x ray and exam, they'll hook you up. With a free Sonicare toothbrush, you got to make sure to take care of your health in these times. And that does include your teeth. This stuff is really, really important. And if anyone's going to have a clean and sanitized place for you to get some health work done, it's going to be our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. So make sure you check them out. Uh, Get that cleaning x-ray and exam and they will hook you up with the free Sonicare at Green Mountain Dental, just 15 minutes from downtown Denver in Lakewood Patrick, I sort of cut you off there, so why don't you just hop back into it, man?
2: Well, Buck O'Neill has a great smile, and and we can neither confirm nor deny if he went to Green Mountain. To enter <laughs> but but uh, I was going to say that I have a lot more to say about Buck O'Neill, but I'm not going to do it just yet because you know we haven't gotten to to his area, er, era, uh, to his sweet spot of talking about the Negro leagues, but you got a taste of them in the first inning. Hopefully it would it, it wet your appetite for, for those fans that don't know too much about him. Uh, I'm, I'm sure some of his charisma already has come off the screen. But he only gets better as this document goes on. He was the star of this film, I think, no doubt, when this originally came out. I had never heard of, of Buck O'Neill at this time. Oh, this no. was This was kind oh, of sorry. sorry. <laughs> That's this was kind <laughs> of in the, in, in the sweet spot of, of me getting into the history of the game. And I just learned about him, learned about all of these, these great, amazing characters that uh, I need to learn more about in, in the game's history. And he jumped off the screen from there. And like you said, he, he stumped for a lot of these Negro League players and yes, uh, continued to do it for, for a decade or more uh, before his death in 2006. And I, I, I can remember when I got that news. I, I cried that day. I, I, it's one of the I few, did too public figure that I've, I've just said oh my gosh I cannot believe this person's not on our planet exactly. you know and
1: I don't know if it's in this documentary I think it's in a series of documentaries they did about the Negro League she tells some neat stories about when Jackie Robinson was with the Kansas City Monarchs
2: yeah I'm, I'm sure and he's I, done a lot of different documentaries for sure he's, he had, had no shortage of, of stories that he could have shared
0: we got Monarchs years still. We got from going to the museum, we got some shirts. I got a Monarchs hat somewhere. That's good. That's good. Uh, swag. Does it count as swag? <laughs> it's old so. enough. I believe it still does. Yeah. That, I that's believe a-
1: if anybody knew how to do swag, it was the Kansas City Monarchs. <laughs>
2: that's right. For sure. They they definitely had it. The classic you know, white caps with the red brim hmm. and the A and the C. On the, the two, ha- two two halves of the, that, that sixfold old cap, that he also made uh, iconic in the stand Line, right? Kenny De Nunez, the, uh, yeah. the, the the black boy who who's in that, who's the pitcher in the film. He's he's wearing that Monarchs cap, and um, again, just just a classic all around there.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, we're, we're getting into the, the wrap it up portion of the podcast. So I just wanted to see if we had any final thoughts on this first inning here. Any other observations from what we've seen in the first one or, or things we're hoping to get into a little bit more? I know mom's just ready for the Mickey Mantle. She's like, can we just do an entire episode on Mickey Mantle and Satchel Page?" Yeah. Even though you've yeah. read like three Satchel Page books.
1: They tell such great stories, you know, such great stories at that time. And, and baseball, the same but different, and how they played in the offseason. And in the offseason, different teams played, and the Negro League teams played against the other teams because we're not now in the major season stuff, and playing winter
2: ball in South America and stuff. It's very cool. Maya, you, you just show up, play basketball top five satchel page quotes for when, when we get to, to his era. Okay. <laughs> five and one. I, I think I know what your first one is, but I don't know. We're going to have to see. He's got a lot of great yeah. quotes. He yeah.
0: does.
1: He does. <laughs> I'll have to think.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we'll have to do some power rankings. And I think at the end of this uh, or or maybe halfway throughout too, we we should talk about some of our favorite quotes and, uh, sort of the mvp though you're right i mean buck o'neill really is the mvp is this whole documentary i'm not sure there'd be any disagreement there so um but we we, we should find some other things like we would with a, a baseball season or a baseball game and sort of uh give some awards and recognition to uh the people who, who have made this thing well maybe maybe ken burns is the mvp actually maybe there's an argument to be made there we can take a uh, We can get creative with it because uh, this is really great stuff. And I hope everyone will will keep following along with us.
2: Yeah, and and thank you, Drew. This this was your idea uh, almost immediately from when Ken Burns said, hey, I told PBS, uh, and if anyone's going to tell PBS what to do, it's going to be Ken Burns. Uh, But I told PBS, make this stuff available for free for people to get through this as long as baseball is down and out. And you said, oh, well, there you go. We, we got to do this together. This this is our baseball season right now. It's it's Ken Burns' baseball documentary.
0: So thank you. That's right. Hey, and, and thank you for bringing what you bring to it, Mom. Thanks for – Oh,
1: I was glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a little baseball on, baseball night.
0: Um, and we're going to keep finding more ways and, and doing more of these types of things. It's this documentary for now or – Going to do some watching of Love is Blind, I guess. I'm not sure any of the three of us are going to have any enjoyment from that show, but whatever. We'll, we'll do our best. Um, because as I've said before, you know, uh, one of the things that Patrick and I are also going to be doing a bit here, we're both big pro wrestling fans, and it's one of the very few live action things that is continuing in our world Um And so on Monday, Wednesday and Friday, because that's when the wrestling shows are, we'll be live tweeting those events. Invite us to live tweet uh, your event, because uh, the community aspect of this is uh, what's the most important. And I think us all kind of getting together. And so, you know, if you're not into professional wrestling, come watch it with us and go, what is this nonsense? That's what I'm going to be doing. with Love is blind or if. If you're not really into video games, but you know you love baseball, you can watch. So, so I don't, I don't get it. Is this really like watching? It? And and we'll talk to you about the video game stuff. I just created the official DNVR Twitch channel this evening. Yes. Uh, find find it on there. Uh, follow it. You can create a Twitch account as quickly as you can create a, a new Twitter account, and then all you do is go in, watch, chat with us. It's super super easy. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Uh, so whether it's the documentaries, old games, video games or silly, stupid shows that I know I'm going to hate. <laughs> uh, just join us. We'll be using that hashtag DNVR watches. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, make sure you're following everyone on social media at Patrick D. Lyons, at Drew Creisman, at DNVR underscore Rockies, at Barbara Creesman three eight seven <laughs> five two nine six, six four seven or whatever it was. We gotta we gotta set you up with a account. I know, no um, But wherever you are, be safe, be smart, uh, but keep watching stuff with us. Continue to be absolutely awesome. We will continue to be Patrick Lyons, Drew Creesman, and Barbara Creesman. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.